you guys, and welcome back to the Mia's Mom podcast. I am Cambry, the host of this podcast, and I am here today with a new guest. It's my first ever guy guest because Father's Day is June 18th, which whenever this airs is either this coming Sunday or it happened yesterday. I wanted to have a Father's Day episode similar to the one that I did for Mother's Day with my mom. But instead of having my dad on the podcast, sorry dad, I decided to ask my husband, my baby daddy, my best friend, the one and only Drew Davidson. So welcome to the pod, Drew Bear. Thank you. I'm so honored that you would (laughs) allow me to be in the room while you're recording instead of locking me in the downstairs half bath. Oh, you are welcome. All right, Drew. So this coming September, we will have been together for 14 years. During that time, would you have ever thought that I would have a podcast and that you would agree to come on it? No, (laughs) because I used to listen to podcasts all the time, starting in like 2008, and you thought it was lame. (laughs) But in 2008, most podcasts were just about like ancient Rome and I don't know weird science topics so maybe in 2023 it makes sense for you to have a podcast (laughs) well I told you kind of leading up to it that I was wanting to do this I told you 14 years ago no not 14 years ago I told you whenever I first had the idea yes you did (laughs) well I'm glad that you came on I have shared a little bit about you on here in previous episodes But go ahead and share a little bit more about yourself because mostly people just know how much I love you and how I think that you're just the greatest. So give us some details about what you do, what are some of your favorite hobbies, what some stuff like that. Yes, I'm Drew, Cambry's husband, and uh, most of what I do is lab work. I work in a research lab at the University of North Carolina. I'm a neuroscientist there and spend most of my time there studying learning and memory. And I study how really basic memories are formed in fruit flies and spend a lot of time home here with you and Jack. And lately that means playing Mario and watching (laughs) Mario and dressing up as Mario characters. And when he takes a nap... And when you're off recording podcasts, often I go for a run. That's really my only hobby is running. And you like to do crazy running. Like you, when we were in New Orleans, you ran an ultra marathon. Yes, but that was a while ago. I'm not really in ultra marathon shape anymore. Now it's neighborhood running. Yeah, but you'll go out for like eight miles or something. Yeah. That's crazy. So this podcast is called Mia's Mom, but since this is my Father's Day episode, let's talk about Drew is Dad. So first, someone asked me if there was anything that I wish that we would have done before we had kids, and I said no, but I didn't want to answer for you. So before we get into other questions that I have, is there anything that you wish that we would have done before we had kids? No, there's not anything... That I can think of that I wish we had done before we started having kids. We were married for six years before Jack was born, right? Mm -hmm. So that was plenty of time for us to do all the regular young couple without kids stuff. And we were living in New Orleans for all that time. And I think we got our money's worth there for those type of experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So I have shared on here a few times that Jack was born during peak COVID. 
And I shared that entire experience from my point of view in his episode, but I wanted to hear what that day was like for you because it was a really fast, crazy day. So what was it like for you while I was laboring at home? Because I don't think that either of us realized exactly what was happening or how fast things were progressing. So what was going on through your mind during all of that? And what was that experience like for you? So I mentioned that in my research, I use fruit flies. And because of the pandemic, I took off several, no, two weeks, I think, right before our due date so that I could quarantine at home to be sure I could go in the hospital and everything. And so I brought all of my fruit flies home from the lab, like all of my experimental fruit flies home from the lab, and I had to take care of them, keep them alive at home during our quarantine. And so while you were in the beginnings of labor and like pacing around the house, I was set up at the dining room table (laughs) with all of my flies set out and basically practicing parenting with (laughs) hundreds of flies and just trying to ignore you. You were distracting me. (laughs) I had important work that had to be done. Uh, Did you think... So there was part of it where I felt like I was being over dramatic or maybe like exaggerating or that maybe you thought that I was exaggerating how bad things were, how uncomfortable things were. Did you ever think that I was overreacting while I was laboring at home? No, because they said if you can talk and if you can walk, it's fine. And you kept talking a lot and walking a lot. And I thought, okay, it's fine. Even when I was like crying? Because there was a point where I was like walking and talking, but I was crying. Yeah, but pretty quick after that, we got in the car. Yeah, that's when true. When we got to that point, that was a brief moment. But up until that point, we were just doing it by the book, I thought. When we got to the hospital, the midwife checked me and said that I was dilated to a nine. And I think that we were both really surprised. I was super surprised. And because I could feel what was happening inside of my body and things were really uncomfortable. I knew that I was probably in active labor and that things were happening, but I didn't think that we were already there at a nine. So what went through your head when she said that? I don't really have a memory of her saying that. I just remember she was saying numbers and you said, I'm planning to get an epidural though. And she said, no, it's we're past that. Then I knew what that meant. I didn't really pick up on the metrics at the time. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of epidurals, I remember I was having contractions on the way to the hospital as you were driving. And I told you that I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to get an epidural. And you were like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. You're definitely going to be getting one. Don't worry about that. Do you remember that? (laughs) No, I don't remember that. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No, I don't remember that. That's the first thing I was wrong about. In our relationship, the first thing that you've been wrong about. (laughs) No, I meant on our parenting journey. (laughs) The first thing I said, and it was exactly wrong. (laughs) So the last thing that you did before they moved us to a room to start pushing was you took your phone out and you snapped a picture of us. And I was in a lot of pain. I can see it in that picture. And the picture is not super clear. It's a little bit blurry, but... I love that picture so much, and I'm so happy that you took it, but you're not really somebody who is on your phone a lot, who reaches for your phone to take pictures a lot, so what made you do that? What made you want to, like, grab your phone and document that? Yeah, that's 
I actually haven't thought about that. I don't know really why I thought that, but I remember that up until that point, it was really hectic and there was people in and out, you know, trying to figure out what to do with you because they still hadn't officially even admitted us to the hospital or found you a room or all that stuff. And that was like a, there was like a 20 second period where it was just us alone. And I think maybe I sensed that, like, this is the last moment we'll have before we get to a spot and it's going to be constantly nurses and doctors and midwives. And so while it was just us for a second, I don't know if that was my like a reflex of we're about to hit an inflection point. Let's remember the last little bit when it was just us. <laughs> I love that picture. One of my favorite memories from that day, obviously, is when Jack was finally delivered and placed on my chest and I had not seen him at this point. And I looked at you and I asked if it was a boy or a girl and you got to be the one to tell me that we had Jack. So what did it feel like to see your baby for the first time and to tell me that we're parents to Jack? It was a lot of like taking the temperature of the room to make sure that things were going fine. I mean, the midwife was like very communicative, so I, I sort of knew that things were fine, but still it's like a real topsy-turvy type moment. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, you said, how did it feel to see him for the first time? It was obviously like an exciting and surreal moment. I think it was good for me because I, I don't know, I felt like you had already met him and had been hanging out with him for like nine months, but I was not really involved with that. Like I was... Well, you were a little bit involved. <laughs> <laughs> I think that up until that point, you and Jack had pretty much been handling this whole thing on your own and I was just kind of playing support when I could. And so for me to be able to tell you, like, it's a boy, you know, I didn't say it's a boy, I said, it's Jack. I think that being my first, like, contribution finally, <laughs> that was a good first moment where we switched from you and Jack handling everything to now it's the three of us. Mm -hmm. So again, Jack was born peak COVID in May of 2020. And having a baby and bringing a baby home to no family or any friends is the only experience that we have ever had. And leading up to his delivery, I was having a lot of anxiety and honestly just really dreading it. And, you know, just scared that we didn't have any help or knowing that you only had four weeks paternity leave left. But looking back, I'm really thankful that things happened the way that they did because while well, I wish that people could have met Jack before he was eight months old or a year old or whenever people met him, I feel like the three of us have a really tight bond and that we have had a really tight bond from the very beginning because it was just us for the first eight months of his life. And we were all just trying to figure out this new life together. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I would have preferred not a global pandemic, but right. I'm happy with how things have gone or how things went. And I, I agree that it was good for us to sort of be on our own for a little while. I think that was also true of when we got married. We got married and immediately it was just us, you know, really far from home. And so that was good for us in our early days when it was just the two of us. And then again, when Jack was born, we didn't have anyone here. It was just the three of us in the early, well, in the early days and sort of the late days. And I think in the same way that we started out, 
it was good to get to do that again when it was just the three of us together on our own. Yeah, I've never thought of that before. I think that we've done a pretty good job so far in our parenting journey. I know we're only three years in, but I like to think that we're doing a good job at raising Jack. I think that he is loving and caring, and I like to think that we model that behavior for him and that he picks up on it. People always comment how sweet he is, and I think that a lot of it is his personality, but I think that we are also doing a good job. Do you think that that contributes to it? Yeah, I think so. What is one thing that you're really proud of in our parenting style? Or maybe like a specific thing that we've done that you're like, yeah, okay, we're doing this right. I don't know about a specific thing, but I have recently wondered how or why our parenting styles mesh together so well. And I don't know that I know the answer really, but I think one unifying thing about our perspectives on parenting is I think one thing that we agree on or one thing that we are aware of is when it was just us, this isn't something that we've talked about and maybe you wouldn't put it in these terms, but I think that you'd agree that we're both really aware of the world that we are curating for Jack. So whenever it was just us before he was born, we were really busy like consuming the world, like, you know, experiencing things. We did lots of, well, because we lived in New Orleans, there was lots of cool stuff that we could do. And we were basically just like receiving it, receiving it, receiving it, receiving it. And now we still do that a little bit, but most of our time and energy goes toward helping Jack receive it and receive it, receive it. And we're really intentional, I think, about what we want him to be receiving. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is related to what you were saying before, the way that maybe we've modeled things with how much of our lives are we willing to give to work versus like family time or where we spend our time at home or you know, at the little creek down the road or the type of like faith community that we want him to, to grow up familiar with. So if I had to, if I had to say what's a, like the foundational thing that unites our perspectives on parenting, I think we both place a lot of value on the awareness of what we're handing to him. I have loved every single stage of where Jack has been. I loved the newborn phase when he was just a little squish and every single year he's only three but every single year he gets more and more fun and his little personality is just so sweet and silly and I can remember you telling me that you couldn't wait till he was like three or four so you could really play around with him and roughhouse and toss him on the bed and wrestle with him and stuff so we are here now so what is it like that that phase is here now. It's as fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> and I remember like playing with my dad like that. And uh, it's weird, almost like reliving that from the other side now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than fun. It's like a, one of my like favorite things is doing that type of thing. Because it's, it's, I think it's the first time he can really like play back, you know, rather than me just like reading to him or showing him things or like, you know, doing like little baby play Mm -hmm. now it's like (laughs) he can instigate it like if I'm sitting across the room where he'll like run and like jump on my neck or something yeah (laughs) so and y'all team up on me y'all like you'll pin me down and hold my arm up and tell Jack to come tickle my armpit and it's so much fun I didn't think that I don't know I've just been kind of enjoying every phase as it comes but 
like it is so much fun and I can understand what you were telling me three years ago when you were saying I'm ready for this to be here yeah would you say that that's probably your favorite thing about being his dad so far or what's your favorite thing about being Jack's dad I don't know what my favorite thing is my favorite moment is coming home from work and his excitement that I'm back home Mm -hmm. and then my least favorite part is leaving in the mornings to go to work Mm -hmm. so yeah every day is kind of bookended by like start out with my least favorite part when I leave and then immediately when I get back is the funnest part probably a lot of parents feel that way yeah what is the hardest part leaving in the morning or would you say something else yeah that is but then also being so far away from everybody back home often feel pretty guilty about how much that they have to experience like just virtually or how Mm -hmm. little we get to visit so maybe maybe the hardest part has been not being able to share them as much as we would like from this far away. So before we moved to North Carolina, we lived in New Orleans. We've mentioned that a couple of times. And I had visited you only once before I moved there. And when I did move, it was pouring down rain and I drove to a shotgun house that you had picked out. And I had never seen before besides pictures. So how intimidating was that to pick out a place for us to live as newlyweds, especially with my list of requirements that I gave to you? Well, the list of requirements was really short, so it was easy to ignore it all. (laughs) But they were a dishwasher, counter space in the kitchen, lots of closet space, and the bonus was exposed brick. And since I couldn't, get all of them I just decided not to get any of them (laughs) and it was a great first house for us oh it was perfect it had yeah it had nothing that I wanted it had two little how big were the counter spaces on either side of the sink maybe Maybe like like a foot Yeah. yeah on either side and that was the only counter space that we had no dishwasher we had a coat closet and no exposed brick but I love that house. Like you said, I think that it was perfect for us as newlyweds and as a first little starter space for me, you, and Lucy. And then we got Ozark a couple of months later after we moved into there, and it was just a really special place where we made a lot of memories. And it was a shotgun, and it felt very cool and like very... New Orleans to be living in a shotgun house since those are specific to New Orleans. So I think that you did a good job and it was in a cool spot because you were there for six years and I was there for five people reach out to us a lot asking for recommendations if they're planning on going down for vacation and New Orleans is a place that's constantly changing. So even while we were there restaurants were opening and some of them closed. It's just like changing all the time. And I know that it's changed a lot since 2019 when we left, especially going through COVID and stuff. But if people are looking for things to do, I thought it might be fun for us to talk about New Orleans for a little bit and share some of our favorite places to eat, some of our favorite things that we like to do while we lived there and must-sees for people who are visiting for the first time. So let's talk about everybody's favorite thing in New Orleans, the food. You have a much more 
adventurous palette than I do. I am more picky than Jack is, but I thought that we would go through some of our favorite spots to eat and that maybe you could share a couple of good things that you remember eating there. Does that sound like a plan? So let's do breakfast or brunch spots first. And the first one that I remember going to is brown butter. Do you remember eating there? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was good. They had, uh, when you order sweet tea, they would bring out unsweet tea with simple syrup so you can mix it yourself. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. It opened shortly after we moved into the shotgun in Mid-City. It was like in our neighborhood. It was, yeah, I liked that spot. Another one that we only ate at a couple of times was Slim Goodies. It was always so crowded. That's a really famous one, isn't it? Yeah, and if there are other Jerry Seinfeld fans out there, that's where in that episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, I think he took Dave Chappelle to Slim Goodies in that episode. I think it was Jamie Foxx. Yes, you are correct. Am I? I think you are correct. Look at me. Man. I'm leaving this in. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think you're correct. We won't look it up. I'm, I think you're right. Okay. <laughs> My favorite place to go for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I will get donuts every single time, is District Donuts. If you have been to New Orleans, then you've probably been to District Donuts. They have two locations, I think, in New Orleans, and then they are kind of branching out in Louisiana. There's a spot in Vegas now, but their donuts are absolutely ridiculous they are gigantic and every single one that we have tried has been so good they are good but in the summer they do spicy redfish sandwiches that are even better than their donuts you get a lot of stuff from you get a lot of different things from there you get the monte cristo oh i forgot about that yes that's good too another thing i want to mention about district is they have really good coffee so they have like a nitro cold brew if you are a coffee person and the coffee that I really like to get from there is the Vietnamese iced coffee it is so good you got to try it if you go one of the places that we started visiting more often kind of close to when we were leaving New Orleans was biscuits and buns on banks and that's a really cool atmosphere it's like in an old house But one thing that I wanted to mention from this place is I would get the waffle and it had like brie cheese on it, which I don't know if that sounds good or not, but it is super good. And it has like a, some kind of compote, like a mixed berry compote. And it's just super good. What would you get whenever we went there? I don't think I had a regular order there, but I remember like the art was real cool in there. They had a lot of cool murals and stuff. So now moving into lunch and dinner spots. I'm just going to name a couple of these. My favorites to go to are Katie's in Mid-City. And you can actually go there for brunch also. But we went there brunch, lunch, dinner, and they were all great. They also have a really great drink there called Mid-City Punch. If you are interested in getting like a little alcoholic beverage while you're out it's really good and then another one that I wanted to mention is La Petite Grocery and Drew and I went there every year on our wedding anniversary and it was just a really fun tradition that we did every year whenever we lived in New Orleans and yeah it's nice but not super fancy so if you're interested in going to check that out I recommend it. Yeah and a couple of my favorite places were like maybe more casual 
one place I really liked was the store, which used to be in the, which used to be sort of downtown, but now moved out to Metairie. And they had, I think, the best po' boy that I had anywhere in New Orleans, a shrimp and greens po' boy. And then we went to Giacomo's a lot on Oak Street, especially if we had someone in town. So we lived in um, three different parts of New Orleans. Well, I lived in four, Lower Garden District, Mid-City, West Bank, and Algiers Point, and then Lakeview. And my favorites were kind of whatever was close in our area. So whenever we were in Lakeview, I went to Chap's Chicken a lot. They had awesome fried chicken. Whenever we were in Mid-City, we had, I mentioned brown butter before. So we have quite a few others for these, but we don't want to bore you on a huge list. So if you're interested in checking those out, you can look in the show notes today. But we do want to mention a couple of our favorite sweet spots. Creole Creamery, we went there all the time. And again, there's two locations, so it's really easy to get in New Orleans, but super delicious ice cream, and they have a lot of different options. Also, Angelo Bricado that has been there for a really long time, and it's more like Italian ice cream vibes. And then the last one is Sucre, and they had like really fancy looking desserts. So their main thing was macaroons, which I always love to get whenever we went. But they also have gelato and like these really fancy looking chocolate desserts and stuff like that. So all of those places are really fun to go to. And then some of our favorite things to do in New Orleans. I always loved going to the zoo. I know I mentioned in last week's episode that we go to the zoo every year with Jack. And going to the zoo is something that Drew and I have always really enjoyed doing. And the Audubon Zoo is really great in New Orleans. And then also we were talking about our shotgun house. It was really close to Bayou St. John in Mid-City. And it was really neat. We were like a block away from Bayou St. John. And we would go down there a lot and just go on walks walk with Lucy and it's just a really pretty area to go out people are in the bayou doing kayaking and all kinds of fun stuff so those were two of my favorite things to do yeah and if people do go there you can walk down to the end Parkway Bakery is there it's got like real good po'boys and like kind of a cool bar and stuff so I mentioned before that I like to run and I was doing a lot of that in New Orleans which is great because it's so flat but it's not so great because it's so humid but there's some really cool running clubs there. If a runner was visiting New Orleans, I would the number one thing I would recommend is to look up this running club called the 504th and go out for a run with them. It's led by this guy named Harold, who's like a born and raised New Orleans guy and is super well connected throughout the city, would like really knowledgeable. And um, we would do runs. Like one time we did a run through uh, like the no- lower ninth ward and met up with a friend of his that was running a little museum there on like sort of the history of the area. So often those runs would go to different neighborhoods like that or through a specific part of City Park or a specific section of Uptown. And he would, you know, halfway through the run, we would stop at a friend's house of his and they would like tell us about what they do, like some certain type of outreach in the city or someone that worked in coastal erosion or stuff like that. So that, for someone who likes to run, it is an awesome way to see the city that you wouldn't normally see really any other way. Another thing, if you're there during crawfish season, like March to June, something like that, is to go out for a crawfish boil. That's kind of in festival season too, so there's probably you could probably Google and find options. But uh, one of our favorite places to eat there was Clessy's, also in Mid City. They were like always high demand. If we could get there for some crawfish at some point during the season, that was ideal. When you say we, yeah, <laughs> you sat quietly. 
So another thing that we have to mention is Pelicans basketball. We loved going to basketball games, and because the Pelicans weren't super great, we could go to a lot of games because it was very affordable. So a lot of times we would just meet at Drew's work. We were really good friends with a lot of people that he worked with, and we would just walk down to the Smoothie King Center and all watch the game together. The blender. The blender, excuse me. And just have so much fun. That's like one of the main things that I miss about New Orleans. Before we would walk over there, we would a lot of times go to Handsome Willie's, which is a bar that's kind of just in the middle of a parking lot across from Tulane. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. (laughs) And it was just fun, you know, just to grab a drink and hang out before we went over to the game. So if you are interested in just a place to hang out, Handsome Willie's is really cool too. I have a list of some other stuff that we love to do in New Orleans and also some stuff for first-time visitors if you have never been to New Orleans before, some stuff that you have got to check out before you leave. So all of that stuff is going to be listed today in the show notes, so be sure to check that out too. So we loved living in New Orleans, but I think I've mentioned this before too. We were a little bit more tame when it came to... New Orleans lifestyle. We had fun, but compared to some of the other things that people were doing, I feel like we were pretty boring. Do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, we had fun, but we just got tired. (laughs) So we We would go to festivals and stuff and we would stay for like an hour and then we would go home. We got a sense of it and moved on to the next thing. (laughs) One thing that you did, but I did not do that is super crazy to me. And I still kind of can't believe that you did this was... You went to one of Dave Chappelle's parties, and this is the coolest story. Your dad brings it up all the time. My parents bring it up all the time. It's just a really cool story. If it's okay with you, do you mind sharing it here on the pod? Yeah, so in 2017, the NBA All-Star Game was in New Orleans, and there was, you know, over that week, there was tons of stuff going on in the city, like lots of, obviously, like lots of celebrities were there, and like all these crazy big events that we had no way to access. <laughs> like Michael Jordan had a birthday party there that like was a big deal. And I remember at work one day, someone told me that the night before one of the bars that we went to a lot, that Dave Chappelle and T.I. were like hanging out there and uh, put together, got, got some like brass bands off the street. And they was like, just had kind of a big like kind of block party around this place that we went and I was like so disappointed because it was the type of place that we might have been at the night before we just happened to not be there Mm -hmm. and then I saw something on Twitter I think about a rumor that Dave Chappelle was going to throw this party and he did this occasionally at his ranch in Ohio but he was going to do one in New Orleans and the way it works is like he opens it up to the public to buy like a ticket he said we'll sell like a hundred or so tickets for like really cheap and if you can get one when they go on sale, you'll be one of the few people to come to this party. So me and some friends at work were like trying to figure out if this was true or if this was like just a weird like scam. Yeah. And it just so happened that at the moment we were learning about it was whenever he put them on sale. So I was like calling Cambry like to figure out if she was going to go because I was trying to figure out to buy a ticket, just one for me or one for her. And she was like, no, I'm not going. I was working six days a week at that point, though, and I had to work the next day. It was on a Friday night. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. So me and three friends were able to get tickets. 
and uh, it was kind of mysterious. Like we didn't, they didn't tell us where the location was going to be. It was a secret. I did not know this. I did not know that it was a secret. So they texted us maybe like 9 p.m. and said to meet at uh, this outlet mall downtown, the parking lot of an outlet mall downtown at like 10 p.m. So we went there and there were these just a big line of tour buses stacked up in the uh, parking lot and a big line of people. And so we got in line and they were like doing a quick like pat down and then checking your IDs and then letting you board the bus. And we got in line and maybe five minutes later, Tracy McGrady got in line behind us and we were like trying to play it cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I didn't say anything to him, but I was looking over there at him a lot. <laughs> and uh, because part of what we had heard was anyone who gets these tickets goes and there's no, there's security. no, there's, there's, I mean, there's security, but there's no like VIP section. It's kind of just everyone's there together. That's what we had heard. Mm-hmm. And already we were in line and Tracy McGrady was in line behind us. And so, yeah, it, like right off the bat, that like set the tone for how it was going to be. So then they put us on this bus and they drove us like 20 minutes out of the city and we weren't really sure where we're not. We didn't know where we were going. And they pulled up to this big like event venue. It was like a big barn. And we went through security again to get in the barn. And they uh, did like a pat down and they took all our phones and put them in those little locked pouches so that you couldn't, you know, take your phone out or take any pictures or anything. And got in there. And there was tons of food, like all on one wall was just like tons of, you know, Cajun food and like this huge dessert bar. And there was a DJ booth going and like people were just like kind of hanging out and eating and dancing and stuff. And we were, most people were up trying to get close to the DJ booth and we were like as far away from you as you could get. We were kind of just kind of shocked and like people watching because we saw like Chris Tucker was there. I remember we saw him. We saw like more NBA people. Chris Weber was there. Uh, ben Wallace was there and uh, some other NBA people I can't remember. And we were, yeah, like I said, we were sort of at the back people watching. And then Dave Chappelle stands up by the DJ booth and he says how he can't really go into the details right now, but Netflix just gave him like $20 million. And so he's throwing <laughs> a big party and we're all going to celebrate that he's richer. And we were like, that's great. Thanks for all this food and drinks and stuff. And then he started walking through the crowd and kind of, you know, like nodding at people and, you know, checking in with everybody. And he gets all the way to the back of the crowd where we are. And I was like so excited. I was like, what's going on, Dave? (laughs) And he was cool. And he just nodded at me. And then he climbed up on the stage that was behind us that we hadn't really noticed, but turned out to be the main stage. And so... When everyone turned around to see what was about to happen next, it turned out we were like up at the very front when we thought we were way at the back. And he brought a band up to join him. And the whole rest of the night happened on that stage. And he just kind of kept spotting people in the crowd, it seemed like. It didn't seem organized at all. I don't Maybe they like played it off like it was. But it seemed like he was just noticing people in the crowd who were like musicians. And he just pulled them up and they joined the band. And so by the end of the night, it was like 20 or 30 people on the stage and it was just growing as it went. So like, like one of the first people he pulled up out of the crowd was Droby from a tribe called quest. And they got up there and played for a while with the band. And, um, then I remember they pulled up, uh, Estelle who maybe people don't remember who that is, but remember that song American boy Yes, that Kanye was on. So that's her Estelle. <laughs> and so she played that. I was like looking around to see if Kanye was going to come up, but <laughs> Kanye was not there. And then Vince Staples was there and he pulled Vince Staples up and 
Vince seemed like he did not want to be there. He was like all business. <laughs> Everyone else, it was like, you know, they were like chatting with Dave and like working the crowd and stuff. But Vince was no, like he was just rapping for like <laughs> 12 minutes straight and then handed a mic back to Dave and left, like went home. And it just went on and on like that. Who else? Um, uh, Cardinal came up. Someone else that was there was Frederick Yonet, I think was how he pronounced it. But he is a this French musician who plays the harmonica and he was involved from beginning to end him and dave were kind of like running the show and he just was playing everything they played he added like a harmonica part too it was awesome and it got to be like maybe about four o'clock in the morning they were trying to you know start slowing it down and his manager or somebody came up and said if you rode here on a bus got up on stage if you rode here on a bus and you want to get home on a bus you need to leave right now and Dave like ran up and grabbed another mic and was like, no, 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 don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. We're not leaving. We're staying. We're staying. And she was like, no, we've got these buses for however much more time. And if you need to get home on a bus, you need to leave. And he was like, no, don't listen. Don't listen. You'll be okay. I promise you'll be okay. Just stay. Just stay. And so me and my friends were like, well, obviously we're going to stay. And he was like, no, we got more to do. And then he was like pulling somebody up out of the crowd. And it was like the loudest that the crowd got that night because he pulled up Chance the Rapper. And it was like shortly after he did that big set on the Emmys, I think. Mm -hmm. So he came up and did a whole bunch of stuff. I can't quite remember. Could you see him when everybody was like going crazy? Could you see who it was? I couldn't see who it was. I could see someone was walking up, but I couldn't see who it was. But just before he got on the stage, he was wearing, you know, like the three hat. And I saw the three hat like through the like in the crowd as he was walking up through people. And that's when I saw who it was. And he got up and he, it was awesome they did. I, th I don't remember exactly what all songs he did, but the last one he did was Ultralight. And he did the whole song and he did like Kanye's verse too. And that was the th one that they finished it off with. And that was like, you know, an hour later after they told us we needed to leave. And then so as we were wrapping up, the oh, so they did Ultralight Beam. And then after that, Dave had him play uh, Creep by Radiohead and he sang and, and everyone sang with him. And that was like the big finale. And afterwards he was saying like, you know, we locked up everybody's phones. You'll notice that like we're all in here together. There's no VIP section. There's no roped off section. We're all just mixed up in here together. And by this time, like we had seen other people like Michael Che was there and Hannibal Burris. And uh, I remember the dude from the Avengers, uh, <laughs> Mackie, I think is his name. Anyway, you know, you would just be like looking around the crowd and then you would just like notice these people that you only ever saw on TV. It was really like, and they were just mixed in with other random people that you remember from the bus or from like the line <laughs> to get bread pudding or whatever earlier. So anyway, he was just saying, thanks for being here to celebrate. Oh yeah, I remember he said something like how there's no phones, nobody's taking any pictures of this. All we have of tonight was like our memories of this. That's all we're taking. There's nothing to put on social media. There's no like, this isn't about, you're not going to get any likes out of mm -hmm. this crazy night. This is just for like what we remember. And yeah, it was one of the most, obviously, one of the most memorable nights in New Orleans. So how did you get home? Uh, he called and brought more buses like he said he would. He was a man of his word. Okay. So you got home at like 6.30 a.m., I think. Yeah, you had already woken up for work. I woke up for work and I was in the bathroom getting ready. I was getting ready and you sat on the edge of the bathtub and you were just like so energetic still. I didn't understand how you still had like so much life in you after being up all that time. But you had to replay like everything to me and I could not believe that you were just getting home and that 
I was going to work. And I don't know, I get a little bit jealous whenever you tell the story because it is just like such a cool story. But also I kind of think I would have hated it there. It was loud and crowded and went on for too long. You might not have enjoyed it, but it was a cool experience. All right. Well, Drew, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on, Mia's mom. I know that you were a little bit reluctant, but I had a lot of fun and I hope that you did too. I did. I did have a good time. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we sign off? It can be either like dad related, New Orleans related, anything else you want to say? Nope, I'm wore out. Let's cut this thing off. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. I love you so much. And I just love doing this little thing called Laugh With You. All right, you guys, I loved having Drew on. I love him so much, and I'm so glad that you got to know him a little bit better. I doubt that I'll be able to get him on here again, but I will try my best. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and if you have any other New Orleans questions, please feel free to reach out to me. You can also check the show notes like I mentioned earlier, and if you are planning a trip or if you have a friend who is fixing to go to New Orleans, I hope this episode is helpful to you, and if you're a dad listening, I hope that you have a great Father's Day or that you had a great Father's Day whenever you're listening to this. I will be back next week with a new episode and I will talk to y'all then. Bye.